Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include printed homes, my interview with Polensky Bottle Green's Marty Green on the latest Fed rate hike and what it means for mortgage rates and affordability going forward, and further reaction to Wednesday's Fed rate hike. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Ready Price. For years, mortgage brokers have been logging into Ready Price's product and pricing engine to shop for the best loans across multiple lenders. Today, Ready Price offers the industry's most powerful independent universal delivery portal where brokers can shop, lock, and deliver the best loans all on one platform for free. It's a new industry utility that gives brokers more time to focus on building their business. Check them out at readyprice.com. Mortgages are part of our lives, right? I only know what I read online, although Abraham Lincoln once said, don't believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) Before you fly down the freeway on a summer vacation, I also know that I've received my fair share of speeding tickets, and for those of you who haven't, it's a punch in the gut feeling to see that red light in the rearview mirror. I've been able to talk them out of exactly none. In something that smacks a big brother watching all the data, Apparently, 9% of drivers had a speeding ticket in 2022. Those drivers probably knew the speed limits. And speaking of limits, the official FHFA 2024 loan limits won't be out until around Thanksgiving, of course. But in terms of inventions, there's no limit on innovation. Face it, there isn't a lot of innovation in lending. Sure, there are tweaks when it comes to programs and pricing. But in the builder world, printed homes continue to progress. Do you have a program for them? Or are they no big deal? For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the show Polanski Bidal Green's Marty Green to talk about the latest Fed rate hike and what it means for mortgage rates and affordability going forward. He's principal at Polanski Bidal Green and has been on the show several times to talk about the Fed, and he's kind of my go-to for this sort of stuff. Let's start by talking about kind of the overall aggregate tightening that we've seen over the last, uh, call it 16 or so months. The Fed's hiked 11 times. We've had 500 basis points or more than 500 basis points of tightening. Can you kind of give give listeners a sense of just how much impact that should have on 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 uh, the economy? Obviously, there's going to be a lag with some stuff, but uh, just kind of the, the sheer scale of 500 basis points plus of tightening. Well, I, I think it's it's really is pretty uh, extreme in terms of how quickly it occurred. That's one of the things that I think is has been difficult to, for the economy to absorb is the pace at which those came. Usually, if you're seeing a 500 basis point increase, it's going to be over a longer period of time than what we've seen this time around. Part of that, though, is because where they started in the cycle was at such a low point. So uh, it was just unprecedented in terms of how low it was in terms of the start point. So that made gave the Fed a little bit more runway in which to do that, but I do think that the speed with which they proceeded uh, has been very, very quick, and that's what's been a, a pretty good size shock to the system, which is why you have things like some of the banking failures that sort of uh, caused a lot of unrest a few months ago, as it is difficult to digest that kind of change in monetary policy at that quick of a pace for the economy to do it. Uh, but it's been remarkably resilient, nonetheless. We look at it; we, everyone was projecting that with the pace that they were 
looking at doing it that we would see a recession by now, and that just hasn't happened yet. In fact, the, the growth numbers have been fairly impressive considering uh, the tightening that's going on. They have been very impressive. And I would say the, the Fed finally, between the uh, the statement they released and, and Fed Chair Powell and his remarks, thinks that policy is restrictive now, or finally restrictive now. But it's going to need to remain restrictive for some time until macroeconomic growth slows on the whole. Can you explain the the lag time that it takes and kind of why we see that lag, where we see that lag, and how it ultimately filters uh, from the, the short end of the yield curve up to consumers' wallets at the end of the day? Sure. Initially, all they're doing is changing overnight lending policy for banks, which has been going to cause banks to obviously have to eventually charge their customers more. Uh, and then that ultimately gets built into uh, goods and services and things slowing down for because there's less money in the system. That's the other thing that quantitative tightening is doing today that's also needing to ferret through the system is as they the Fed kind of reduces its balance sheet at the same time while it's doing the hike of the rates, those both shrink the money supply that's out there which should have a cooling effect on the economy and perhaps a a significant one, as well as just making borrowing costs higher, which means that banks are going to be less willing to lend uh, to folks uh, that they may have been two years ago based upon lower rates. They may have been very free with the money. Today, they have to be a little bit more selective because uh, banks have to pay very close attention to their balance sheets in light of what's happened in the banking sector in the last couple of months. So as a consequence, everything along the way just says everyone needs to be a little bit more cautious about what they're doing. It takes time for that cautiousness to sort of uh, ferret its way through the system and the the slowdown to take hold. We see it more quickly on things that are very interest rate sensitive, like the mortgage world and uh, and, and home buying and, and car buying. But in other segments of the economy, it takes a little longer for those things to work their way through, which is why we have that lag effect. So the Fed two days ago kind of tooted their own horn and said, we no longer believe there's going to be a recession, which seems a little uh, presumptive or uh, early to say, in my opinion. But I wanted your take on that. One, why do you agree with that assessment? And two, uh, why do you think the Fed would come out and say that? Well, I think what they said is that they're they're projections are that they don't longer really project in terms of either the staff economist or or Chairman Powell. Neither one is their base case have a recession in the mix where, uh, you know, earlier in the year or or late last year, I think it was a lot less certain that that would be the outcome because usually the way that you uh, have this cycle end is with a recession. So I think it's perhaps it is a little presumptive for them to say we're not going to have one. But again, the economic growth continues to be fairly impressive. The employment numbers have tended to be pretty solid. So I think that overall, their base case is that there is not going to be a recession. And I think that if you look at the economy as a whole, they very well may be right. But where I think it's sort of may miss the point a little bit is you already are seeing certain segments like uh, the the mortgage world, some of the construction uh, and other things that are really starting to see recessionary type of activity as opposed to expansive activity. So uh, certain segments will have more of a recession, but overall the economy might not in this particular instance. Well, the Fed seems pretty set on, hey, we're going to take a pause at our September meeting. And the, the next time that we 
May hike rates would be in November. Obviously, we'll, we will receive a lot of economic indicators between now and then, be that CPI prints, the Fed, sure. PCE, and non-farm payrolls, those sorts of things. What do you think the Fed's calculus is or in terms of what would it take for the Fed to hike rates again or not hike rates? I mean, what which one do you view as their default scenario if things kind of stay the same? I think if they stay on the same path in terms of the cooling of inflation, you will see them raise rates one more time because that seems to be what they've prepared the markets for. Now, they may not do it in September. They may say uh, they're going to take, uh, you know, continue to take a wait and see. But I think their base case still has another increase later in the year, and it may be as soon as September. So I think the most likely outcome is that absent there being uh, data that says the lag effect is finally sort of collapsed and now we're seeing the slowdown uh, that they kind of have projected that their cumulative effect of what the rate hike cycle would end up with. And uh, so I think that the only way they vary from that is if the slowdown becomes more pronounced and more evident and more across the board. Right now, they have a lot of mixed indicators, some of which have been positive, which Chairman Powell noted in his press conference, but others which have have shown still a fair amount of sticky inflation uh, that is still concerning to them. So I think that's still going to be their primary uh, target is to get that sticky inflation out of the system. And a rate hike later in the year probably is going to be their tool to try to get that done. Inflation certainly is sticky. And, and in the statement yesterday, it was revealed that the, the Fed doesn't think that it's going to get back to the 2.0% target until 2025. Do you think they're okay with this timeline or they're kind of they've resigned themselves to it? Or what's your take on on the timeline for it not being uh, for another 18 months or so until they think it'll get back to target? I I was actually relieved by that because I think that if that tells me that the Fed is going to show some patience here, which is what I was hoping they would do, uh, because if they were looking for more of an immediate return to that, I think that's problematic and require that they be more significantly in restrictive territory. I think that if they have a timeline that says it's okay as long as we're making steady progress along the way and the disinflation continues on that path, for us not to get there for over a year, uh, then then I think that tells me that the Fed's going to be pretty patient. They're going to perhaps do the the additional increase that they've kind of telegraphed, but that they're going to be patient beyond that, which I think is a positive for the uh, for for the economy as a whole. I agree with you there, and the the Fed has other ways of manipulating policy, whether that is. Uh, looking at kind of the discount rate, reserve requirements, or other open market operations. You know, a, a big topic a year or so ago was the Fed's MBS portfolio and, and not only runoff, but active MBS sales. Why don't you think we've heard much about that lately? Well, I think it's it's what they intended all along was for that to run behind the scenes uh, and for them to be able to tinker with it as they needed to. Uh, and I think up to now that it's just been sort of according to plan. So they haven't chosen to, to talk about it a lot. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that we have a higher than normal spread between treasuries and uh, and, and uh, mortgage bonds today is because of uh, the way that that runoff is, is playing out. 
Um, and but I think that you aren't going to hear much about it as long as it's going going according to plan, not creating too many issues in terms of market uh, disruption. And uh, so I think they would prefer it to be behind the scenes the way it has been. And you mentioned spreads there. I, I would assume that when the, the Fed says we're finally done hiking rates and, and we're going that our next move will be a cut rather than a hike, that will help spreads come down and, and mortgage rates ultimately come down. Is that how you're advising your clients? That's the way. I, that's what we kind of see when we look at our crystal ball. Is that once you kind of get to a terminal rate, then you should get back to a little more normal spread between treasuries and mortgage bonds as those mortgage bonds become more attractive. I think the other thing that the Fed has done that should help that is the fact that they're planning to leave rates kind of stable for some period of time should help that market stabilize as well as the predictability and the yield on the mortgage bond and the duration of that. Uh, may be a little bit more acceptable to investors. Very well put. Any any other things that are kind of top of mind for your clients that they're asking you about or, or the that you're having a dialogue with them over? You know, the, the one thing that I'm hearing a lot about, Robbie, these days is just that inventory continues to be very constrained. And I think that that's not going to get better until we do see some improvement in mortgage rates where uh, the spread between what a seller today has on their existing home and what they can obtain on any home that they buy is more narrow than it is today. I think that's when we'll finally see perhaps a little bit of relief on the inventory side. Uh, but I'm, I'm hearing it's still a little bit of a struggle for buyers to buy, find homes out there and uh, realtors and, and uh, others are doing what they can to kind of help generate some, some inventory, but that still continues to be a constraint. It's going to be a big headwind uh, for the market going into the end of this year, it seems to me. Came out earlier this week that new home sales were about twenty four percent above where they were a year ago. So building is certainly happening. But you and I are both in the same camp here when it comes to some relief would be nice and and some more home affordability would be nice. Marty, this was a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, Robbie. Appreciate the time. We had a big day of selling in the bond markets yesterday after a much better than expected advanced GDP report for Q2, which came in at 2.4% when it was expected at 1.6%. That gives the Fed another argument to hold rates in restrictive territory for longer. On Wednesday, the FOMC raised its target range for the Fed funds rate by 25 basis points to the highest level since 2001, as expected, and left the door open to additional increases. Accordingly, investors have once again wagered that the Fed has reached the end of its tightening campaign and market participants are once again calling the Fed's bluff, unwinding bets that the FOMC will tighten further in 2023. The official inflation rate of 3% is artificially low because when omitting volatile food and fuel costs, the true rate remains closer to 5%. Can the Fed continue to cool inflation without a big increase in unemployment? Supply chain snarls have eased and the strong labor market, which helped drive up prices, seems to be cooling. Fed Chair Powell in his post-hike press conference remained tight-lipped, admitting that higher borrowing costs are starting to chip away at inflation, while reminding markets that core inflation remains too high and the Fed's policy moving forward would continue to be data-dependent. It's a tough balancing act. The tight labor market has drawn more low- and moderate-income earners into work and helped them earn livings and raises, but inflation has had an outsized impact on their finances, making it relatively harder for them to purchase goods and services than upper-class individuals. Persistently high spending could be a reason for future rate increases. Yesterday's batch of data, including the aforementioned above consensus Q2 GDP that showed the U.S. economy was a long way from a recession in the second quarter, 
also showed that June durable orders, which came in at 4.7% when they were expected at 1.0%, increased beyond expectations, and there was an unexpected decrease in weekly jobless claims to 221,000, the lowest level since February. The solid batch of data kept Treasuries under selling pressure throughout the day, while a soft $35 billion seven-year note offering provided some additional encouragement for the selling. We also learned that, per the National Association of Realtors, pending home sales increased 0.3% in June versus May, as contract signings increased in the Northeast and Midwest, but decreased in the South and West. Today's economic calendar contains some key data, with June personal income and spending, as well as Q2 employment costs. We'll also receive July Michigan sentiment. We begin the day with the agency MBS prices an eighth worse than yesterday and the 10-year yielding 4.03% after closing yesterday at 4.01%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I got a new pair of gloves today, but they're both lefts. On the one hand, it's great, but on the other, it's just not right. <laughs> Thanks again to today's sponsor, Ready Price. Borrowers need independent mortgage brokers now more than ever. And ReadyPrice offers the industry's most powerful universal delivery portal that gives them the edge they need. Don't miss out. Shop, lock, and deliver with multiple lenders all in one place for free at ReadyPrice.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobChrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.